Hello and welcome to Season 4 of Way to Week Mystery. This is your host and author, J.C. Bodden. If you've been with me before, you'll know that each week I present a chapter from one of my novels. We've done three seasons so far, one for each of my first three books. If you're joining us in the middle of things, then you might want to go back and start at the beginning, or at least at the beginning of a season. Each book is standalone, but they are all part of a series and flow basically in chronological order. So now on to this week's podcast, in which I'll be reading to you from my novel Night Watch, which is the fourth book in the Devlin O'Quinn series. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next chapter, Night Watch, as well as the other three books in the series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. And, as always, if you'd like to order this or any of my books, click on the link in the podcast info for my website, jcbodden.com. Now let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 408, Night Watch, Chapter 8. Devlin clicked off the phone and handed it to Elliot. Reaching down to where he had left his crutches, his face was serious and businesslike. Elliot had seen that look in his eye enough to know that nothing she said could dissuade him from going to see what was happening. She picked up her purse. I'll go with you, she said. He looked at her sharply. What? You don't actually think you're going to go hobbling on those crutches to the next block over, do you? Elliot, it might not be safe. If it's really a robbery... He paused and ran his fingers through his hair, realizing she was right. There was no way he was going to make it a block and a half on crutches. His arms were already screaming in protest just from his earlier adventure at the police station. It also occurred to him that he was not prepared to go to the scene of a crime. No radio, no gun, no vest. Devlin, you're still technically on leave. You don't have to go. He looked at her again, and she knew the futility of her words. Well, the wheelchair is still in the back of the car. You want that? Devlin stood for a moment, uncharacteristically undecided. Just then there was a loud pop-pop sound from the street in front of the restaurant. Devlin whirled on his crutches. Miriam, he barked. Lock the door. Everyone, move away from the windows. The still sparse lunch ground began hurriedly moving toward the back of the dining area, following Devlin's orders. Let's go, people. That's shots fired. Here we go. Move to the back of the restaurant. Keep your heads down. He hobbled over to Miriam, whose face was as white as a sheet. Go lock the back door. Make sure it's secure. Now. She flew past her patrons and into the kitchen. Devlin pointed to a busboy standing over to the side of the room. Pull the window shades. Quickly now. That's right. He encouraged the young man as he scampered around the room, tugging down the blinds in front of the windows. Now, come away from the front of the restaurant. Back here with the rest of us. Devlin turned and looked at the people around him, including himself and Elliot. He counted 18 people. He turned to the busboy. How many in the kitchen now? The young man actually used his fingers. Three, he said, looking back at Devlin. Three? You sure? Yes. No. Wait. Four, counting Mr. D'Angelo. Okay, that makes 22 of us. He glanced at Elliot. We're not going to provide any hostages from D'Angelo's today, he said with a determined nod. He held out his hand. Dial Teresa for me again, please. Devlin asked Teresa to stay on the line with him and keep him abreast of the developments at the bank. The shots that had been fired were the result of an overly anxious rookie cop at the scene. No one had been hit. Neither had anyone returned fire. It was unclear for the time being how many robbers had been in the bank and whether all had escaped. The building was being secured, the street cordoned off, and tellers and customers questioned. Miriam and her husband, Nick D'Angelo, served up free pizza and drinks to the customers waiting for the all-clear. After about an hour, Teresa told Devlin over the phone that Tucker Wilder was outside the restaurant. Devlin had Miriam unlock the door and let him in. Everything had checked out, 
The lone robber had escaped and the danger had passed. The patrons of D'Angelo's were relieved that they could finally leave. At least they had an interesting story to tell their friends and family. Tuck, you got a minute to tell me about all this? Devlin asked, indicating that Tucker should sit down with him. Tucker looked around and shrugged. Yeah, of course, Chief. He lowered his heavy form into a chair and sighed loudly. It felt good to sit down. He pulled his notebook out of his pocket. The robber approached teller number three, Diana James, told her he was armed, and asked her to unload the contents of her cash drawer into a pillowcase he handed her. It's unclear at this point how much cash she had, but it is Friday, and the bank always has extra on hand to cash paychecks. She managed to both trip the silent alarm and slip in a dye pack. The guy left. We got there about seven minutes later. Description? She thought he must have had on some type of disguise. Ball cap pulled down over his face, heavy beard, mustache, big belly. She called it a beer belly. The shots? When our boys got there, the damn security guard inside the bank was waving his gun around, although for the life of me I can't think why. As far as I can tell, the guy was long gone by that point. Anyway, Billy James, that's the teller's son, by the way, is the rookie cop who fired the shots. Seems he thought the guard was the robber and threatening his mama. Tucker stopped and looked at Devlin, shaking his head. I don't envy you having to deal with that, Chief. Okay, Tuck, thanks. Anything else? No, Chief, you know what I know. Okay, so Roger's coordinating all this? Tucker's face suddenly flooded with color. He had trouble meeting Devlin's gaze. I don't know where Roger is. Devlin leaned forward. Come again? Roger's not here, at least not as far as I know. Where the hell is he? I don't know. Tucker pulled at his collar, his eyes finally venturing up to Devlin's face. So, who was the senior officer on the scene? I guess I was, Chief. Devlin flopped back in his chair and exhaled. Sounds like you did a good job, Tuck. Devlin glanced at Elliot and tapped his fingers on the table for several long moments. Then he leaned forward again. He brought his mouth so close to the man's ear that Tucker could feel Devlin's breath. Okay, Tuck, it's you and me. We gotta find out what the hell is going on with Roger. He should have been there today. He's supposed to be the damn acting chief while I'm on leave. I want you to find out where he's been. And if he wasn't in the hospital having his goddamn appendix taken out, I want to know why he didn't show up here. And while you're at it, I want you to find out where he was last Thursday night. Devlin leaned back so that he could look Tucker in the eye. Got it? Yes, Chief. Got it. I've got to get back to work, Elliot, Devlin said as he watched Tucker trudge out of the restaurant. I hate to ask you this, but do you mind driving me out to the house so I can get my radio and gun and then taking me back to the station? She looked at him for a long moment before answering. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, he nodded, standing and tucking his crutches in place. I can at least coordinate the investigation with the feds. Tuck says Roger is AWOL. He looked itchy to go. Elliot grabbed her purse and stood. As the two of them headed toward the door, Miriam and Nick stepped into their path. We wanted to say thanks, Miriam said with a smile. Nick extended his hand to Devlin. Yes, thank you. Your quick thinking may very well have prevented something awful from happening. He placed his arm around his wife. Devlin balanced himself with both crutches in one hand so that he could shake Nick's hand. Listen, Nick, I'll tell y'all what you can do to pay me back, he said with a smile. Anything, Chief, Nick replied. Let me have your secret pizza sauce. Nick smiled broadly. You've been after me about that for years, Chief. You know I can't give that away. 
Devlin grinned and put the crutch back under his right arm. It was worth a shot, anyway. Devlin and Elliot got to the house about twenty minutes later. It was the middle of the afternoon and Reese was back down for his nap. Devlin threaded both his radio and gun holster onto his belt as Elliot explained what had happened at the bank to Tracy. She had been doing a little reading and hadn't been listening to the news. Just as Elliot and Devlin were leaving to go back to the station, Tracy remembered Mindy Dubose's visit. Oh, I almost forgot, Uncle Devlin. You had a visitor here earlier. He stopped at the door and turned. A visitor? Mindy Dubose, Roger's wife? Mindy came here? Devlin ran his fingers through his hair. What did she want? She said she really needed to talk to you. She seemed really upset. Made me promise to tell you that it was important. Devlin nodded. Okay, well, thanks, Tracy Lee. I'll call her from the station. She didn't say what it was about? No, sir, but she did say that she didn't want you to tell Roger. Devlin's smoky's eyes studied Tracy for a long moment. She smiled encouragingly. Okay, Tracy Lee. He turned to go and then smiled back at her. I hope you have a good time on your date tonight. She felt the color rise in her cheeks. Thanks, Uncle Devlin. In the car, Devlin turned to Elliot. It may be a long night for me. I want you to drop me off and then go on home so Tracy Lee can keep her date. I can get one of the patrol cars to bring me back when I'm done. The first thing Devlin did when he got to the station was have Teresa bring him two large garbage bags. In one bag, he placed all the empty takeout containers and leftover food scattered around his office. He dumped all of Roger's clothes in the second bag. He called a uniformed officer to carry the first out to the dumpster. The second, he tossed onto Roger's desk chair out in the detective room. Then he folded up the cot and stashed it in the closet. He stared for a long time at the stained pillow before he laid it on top of the cot. He settled down behind his desk, his scratches leaning against the wall behind him, then picked up his desk phone and dialed Mindy Dubose's number. He figured he would explain about the robbery and put her off until tomorrow. After all, she tended to be a little overly dramatic. Mindy, it's Devlin, he said when she answered. Devlin, oh, thank God you called. She sounded breathless. I stopped by your house earlier today. Did your nanny tell you? Yeah, Mindy, listen, I can't really talk right now. We've been slammed here. Oh, Devlin, I'm just so worried about Roger. It seemed he wasn't going to be able to put her off so easily. Okay, well, I want to talk to you about this, Mindy. Really, I do. But have you been watching the news? There was a robbery at New South Bank today at lunch. We're going to have to save this conversation for another day, Mindy. Okay? She was silent for so long that Devlin wondered if the connection had been lost. When she finally did speak, her voice sounded as if she was very, very far away. No, Devlin, it's not okay. I'm coming down to the station right now. We need to talk. Devlin sat at his desk, listening to the buzzing of the dial tone. Tracy left the O'Quinn's house as soon as Elliot got back. It was about 4.30. That meant by the time she got back to her apartment, she would have a little more than an hour to get ready for her date. She hated to admit it, but she was nervous. Although she had thought all afternoon about what to wear, she still hadn't come up with anything. As she entered the apartment, she was relieved to see that Rachel was there watching television. Kara was out. Hey girl, you're home early, Rachel said as she lazily flipped through the channels. I've got a date. Tracy took off her jacket and flung it on the worn-out sofa. Help me decide what to wear. Rachel tossed the remote onto the coffee table. A date? Really? Tracy stopped in the hallway and turned back to her roommate. It's not that shocking, is it? No, no, of course not. 
Rachel stood hurriedly and followed Tracy to her room. Who with? Tracy bit her lip and opened her closet door. It seemed a pitiful collection of blue jeans, t-shirts, and a few other odds and ends. Nothing looked good to her. She flopped down on her bed, flinging her arms out on either side. Gabriel McTaggart. Shit, what am I going to wear? For a moment, the room was quiet, the only sound from the television down the hall. Wait a second, Rachel said. Did you just say Gabriel McTaggart? As in Mac McTaggart? As in the Mac McTaggart? Local legend? Fiddle-playing rock star? Best-looking man in all of Auburn, Alabama? Hell, probably the best-looking stud in the entire southeastern United States? Already feeling nervous about the date and worried about what to wear, Tracy snapped. What the hell? I can't have a date, and I especially can't have a date with a hottie like Mac McTaggart? She sat up on the bed and pulled off her sneakers, angrily tossing them at the floor of the closet. I'm not that ugly, am I? She glared at Rachel, still standing open-mouthed in the doorway. After a long, tense moment, Rachel came all the way into the room and sat gingerly on the bed. I didn't mean that, Trace, really. I'm just surprised, that's all. I didn't even know you knew Mag McTaggart. Seriously, spill it. Tracy relented and smiled tentatively at Rachel. It's okay. I'm just nervous. I met him at the O'Quinn's. He was the one that found the chief after he got beat up at the state park. Rachel nodded, her eyes wide. Then he found the chief's St. Michael medal and brought it over to the house. And he asked you out then? Sort of. Anyway, will you help me decide what to wear? She glanced at the clock on the nightstand. He's going to be here in less than an hour. Rachel grinned broadly. Of course, girlfriend. I'm going to help you pick out a killer outfit. There was a knock on his office door, and then Teresa opened it. Behind her, Devlin could see Mindy Dubose. Boss, Mindy is here. She says she needs to see you. Yes, Teresa, thank you. Teresa stood back, and Mindy came in. Devlin studied her carefully. Her curly blonde hair was even more scattered around her face than usual. Under her pretty blue eyes were the telltale dark smudges of someone who was not getting enough sleep. She had tried to brighten her face with makeup, but instead of helping, it actually made her look even more drawn and tired. Her eyes darted around the room as though she couldn't look directly at Devlin. He motioned to the chair across from his desk, and she sat, nervously clutching her purse in her lap. "'Can I get you anything, boss?' Teresa asked quietly from the doorway. Devlin simply shook his head, worried now that Mindy's visit was more serious than he had at first thought. Teresa gently pulled the door shut. Devlin watched Mindy for a moment after the door latch clicked. She was nervous, worried, and on the verge of tears. He had known her for almost thirty years. He had never seen her like this. He spoke quietly, as if he were talking to a spooked animal. What's up, Mindy? It's Roger. I'm so worried about him. I don't know what's going on. Her eyes still wouldn't meet his. She fingered the clasp on her purse, opening and shutting it over and over. I was going to come and talk to you last week. In fact, I called you and set up an appointment, but then you got attacked. Her voice broke and she glanced at his face for the first time. Before she spoke again, she looked back down at her fingers. I know you don't remember any of that, and after, well, I tried to convince myself that I was just being silly, but honestly, I don't think I am. She looked at him again, this time allowing her eyes to meet his fully. He saw pain, confusion, anger. Why don't you start at the beginning? She sighed deeply and stood, depositing her purse in the chair. 
She stepped to the window and studied the cars in the parking lot below. It started about six months ago, I guess. But really, I think it was even before. I don't know. But I really started to notice it then. He had been losing weight. Then he started smoking again. He told me he wasn't, but of course I could smell it on his clothes and his hair, his breath. He kept lying, telling me it was the perps he was arresting. Then I found a pack of cigarettes in his jacket pocket. The matches slipped in between the plastic and the package, just like he always did. We had a huge fight. He had stopped smoking all those years ago because of my sister. She died of lung cancer. She paused and turned to look again at Devlin, her blue eyes full of tears. She swallowed and continued, her voice shaky but determined. He did it for me, because I asked him to. I remember, Devlin said gently. He went cold turkey. It made him as mean as a snake. Mindy nodded. Yeah, so anyway, when I knew he was smoking again, I guess I went ballistic. We got into it real bad. It never occurred to me that the smoking was only a symptom. She turned and came back to her chair, picked up her purse, and flopped back down. She looked completely worn out, as if talking about Roger was draining the life out of her. Devlin waited patiently. After several moments, she continued. Then I thought he was having an affair. Devlin stirred in his chair, but Mindy held up her hand, and he held his tongue. He was gone all the time, late nights, phone calls, and the weight kept coming off. The smoking got even worse. He stopped trying to hide it from me. We fought almost constantly. We stopped. Her voice broke and she took a deep, hitching breath. We stopped having sex. We used to be very regular, you know, at least twice a week, sometimes even more, especially if he solved a case. She blushed strongly. She didn't have to look at Devlin to know what the expression on his face was. Mindy, Devlin said softly, he would never have an affair. He loves you too much. You're right. It's worse. He's an addict. That concludes this week's chapter of Nightwatch. Thanks for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 409 of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. And as always, I hope your wait is a happy one.